Support for WVIK comes from Kathleen Collins at the Dragonfly in Bettendorf. Using both conventional and alternative counseling methods for empowerment to help create change for individuals and couples. More information is at KathleenCollinsCounseling.com. The races are coming to an end in Illinois. What do the voters want and who are the candidates that say they can provide it? A look at what's shaping up in the 2020 vote in the cities. Illinois voters are heading to the polls in newly redistricted state of Illinois, and that means votes for Congress and the state legislature pit some candidates you may not know. But the statewide races, especially the one for governor, is capturing the attention of all Illinois voters. And we talked with Western Illinois University Political Science Department Chair Dr. Keith Bockelman as Illinois residents cast their ballots and let their feelings be known. So the election of 2022, is it really all about the economy and reproductive rights? Or are those just the two major issues? Well, I think the economy is certainly an issue. I, I've seen some polling, and this is nationwide polling, that suggests abortion is actually about the eighth most important issue. So there are some other things, including, uh, you know, the future of democracy has actually become an issue now. But it's looking like abortion may not be as big an issue as we may have thought. Uh, the Supreme Court and the makeup of the Supreme Court is an important issue to voters. And I think that's related in some ways to the abortion issue. But um, the Supreme, the abortion issue itself, again, in this poll, which is from Pew, a relatively reputable source, ranks abortion eighth. Does that surprise you? I mean, I guess sometimes when you have these social issues, they do spark, and then do they plateau and fall off? I think that's what's happy with this. I think there was a lot of passion and a lot of concern among pro-choice people, at least, about abortion uh, with the Supreme Court's um, decision recently overturning Roe versus Wade. But I think um, thing, the voters for better or worse, have a short attention span sometimes. And so I think essentially you have already seen, started to see this tail off a little bit. But clearly the economy is the number one issue. There's some others. Uh, crime is, is higher than abortion as well. Talk about the 17th Congressional District, the new 17th, which uh, kind of straddles uh, the Mississippi River. It includes Rockford. Uh, actually, it goes down through the Quad Cities and 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 even a little further east. Um, and it's Sherry Bustos' district. Uh, she, I mean, Esther Joy King, the Republican, came very close uh, to winning two years ago, kind of a surprise. And now you have uh, Esther Joy King running again, Eric Sorensen, a, a meteorologist, as, as a Democrat running. Uh, this seems to be one of the biggest races that we're going to see in Illinois. Yeah, I think that's right. So... You know, a couple of things I think to note about this, uh, you know, as you said, Sherry Bustos had a very close race uh, in 2020. That district, as was drawn at the time, went for Trump, so suggesting that the Republican could win in the right circumstances. Uh, the district has been redrawn to be somewhat more Democratic 
Um, so it is a slightly more Democratic district now, which should favor Sorensen. However, unlike Sherry Bustos, he's not the incumbent, obviously. And Bustos, I think, was pretty well liked. Uh, she had the incumbency advantage. So I do think uh, that this is something that, you know, it's a, it's a very tight race, as you say. Um, to put it in the larger context of redistricting, the Democrats drew a map hoping for a 14 to 3 advantage uh, in the congressional races. So essentially drawing three pretty overwhelmingly Republican districts and then 14 districts that they think a Democrat could win. I think the question we'll see is did they slice it too thinly in some of these districts like the 17th? Um, did they put enough Democrats in for a Democrat, uh, Eric Sorensen, in this case, to win? Or, um, and I think there's some other districts like that too, where they may have, um, you know, gotten too cute, if you want to put it that way. And um, so, so we'll see if there are some districts, including the 17th, where a Republican can win and what is looking like it will be a Republican year. What do you think is, I mean, is the 17th district now a bit of a bellwether? I mean, let's be honest, we had, we, we had Lane Evans, then Phil Hare, then it went to Bobby, uh, uh, oh, no, I can't remember his last name. Yeah, Chilling. thank you. Um, and then uh, it went back uh, to Bustos, and now it's almost a toss-up. Yeah, I think it is. I mean, I hadn't thought of it that way, but I think it is pretty much a bellwether of the country. I mean, again, it did go for Trump uh, in uh, 2020, so it was a little bit more Republican than the country as a whole. But yeah, I do think that's true. That I think it's certainly a district that either party could win. Um, and I think it'll give us an indication probably of how things are going for Democrats or Republicans in Congress uh, who wins the district. I know you have maps that show like the state of Illinois and, and how Republican, you know, the darker the red, the more Republican it is, the darker the blue, the more Democratic it is. Do those maps really mean much? Because if you think about it, it's mostly geography. And, and if it's going to be a race of geography, Republicans are always going to win. If it's a race of population density or population centers, the Democrats have the edge. Well, I think one thing that the map shows is that there's been a shift in Illinois in terms of the strengths of the two parties. So um, the map shows the presidential race by county in 2000 and 2020. And so what you could see there is that in 2000, there were a lot of um, downstate areas, including in West Central Illinois, Northwest Illinois, that were Democrat and that Al Gore won in 2000. Um, in 2020, uh, Rock Island County went for uh, Joe Biden, but most of the rest of these areas didn't. By contrast, in 2000, uh, most of the Chicago suburban area was Republican. That's really shifted Democrats. So you can see in sort of the larger dynamics of what's happening in Illinois is that the downstate area, including the area around the Quad Cities, has become more Republican. I mean, again, Biden did win Rock Island County, but many of the surrounding counties went Republican. Um, whereas in 2000, most of the Chicago suburbs were going Republican. In 2020, they were going Democrat. So it shows uh, that downstate is becoming a more Republican area and the Chicago suburbs are becoming a more Democratic area. And that's kind of shifted the political dynamics 
in Illinois. Well, we've really learned that once again in the uh, Esther Joy King, uh, Sherry Bustos race, uh, where uh, King did very well in counties like Whiteside, just north of the Quad Cities, and, and, and Mercer, McDonough, uh, Warren to the south of the Quad Cities. I mean, that's what we're really seeing. Yeah, that's right. And so, you know, particularly the more rural counties are becoming much more Republican. But even in the, the sort of more urban areas of downstate, Peoria, Rock Island, and so forth, um, while they're still Democratic, the trend seems to be also Republican to some degree. And again, we'll see how this plays out in this 2022 congressional race. And you go back to Bobby Schilling winning. I mean, he beat uh, uh, Phil Hare, um, and then uh, Sherry Bustos uh, defeated him. Was he an outlier um, as far as a Republican in the 17th district? Or was it just that it shows that, you know, you, you can win, either party can win in this district? Well, I think it does show that either party can win in the district. If I remember correctly, um, and I'm not, don't quote me, well, I guess you are quoting me, you know, but if I remember correctly, that Bobby Schilling may have won in 2010, which was a good year for Republicans. So you have, you know, the makeup of the district, obviously, but you also have these swings back and forth. Uh, you know, 2010 was a very strong Republican year. Um, 2018 was a strong Democratic year. So in 2010, the Republicans won over 50 seats. Uh, in 2018, the Democrats won pick, or picked up about almost 50 seats. Um, so, you know, that plays in. These national trends can play in as well, in addition to the makeup of the district. I'd like to talk about some of the statewide races. Of course, one of the biggest ones in Illinois is J.B. Pritzker against uh, uh, Darren Bailey. Um, Pritzker got the candidate he wanted. Well, he did. Um, you know, <laughs> I think you had a lot of cases, including this one in the governor's race, where the Democrats have kind of invested in advertising to try to get the Republican they wanted. Um, we'll see if they really wanted if the Republican wins. Now, I think all the polls are suggesting that J.B. Prisker is leading Darren Bailey by a lot, up to 15 points. Um, we have seen, though, in previous years that uh, polls are not always right. Uh, there seems to be a trend toward polls, particularly underrepresented Republican voters. And so uh, while I certainly would predict that J.B. Pritzker is going to win and that Darren Bailey is a weaker candidate than some of the other people that were running uh, in the primary, in the Republican candidates that I would say weaker in a statewide election in Illinois, um, you know, we still have to have the actual vote and we'll, we'll see what happens. But all indications are that J.B. Prisker is in the lead. That really seemed to be part of the Democratic playbook in a number of locations. I mean, you look at Michigan as well and, then, and, and Illinois, is that the Democrats were trying to get perhaps the, the more right-wing candidate, the one that they thought was uh, easier to defeat. Um, is that really playing with fire? Uh, I, I think it is. I mean, you know, I, I think it's not only that, that Darren Bailey was the most conservative candidate. I think they also, uh, the Democrats, I mean, also want a candidate who would not run strongly in the suburbs. So I think Richard Urban, for example, um, who's a suburban mayor, right. or even Jesse Sullivan, uh, they, you know, would have given 
J.B. Pritzker more of a run in the suburbs, I think. And, and that's really the area that decides elections now. So you've got um, Chicago is going to clearly go for the Democrat. Downstate is going to go for the Republican. Uh, so who wins in the suburbs? And I think, you know, Darren Bailey, uh, he, you know, comes off as very deep Southern Illinois. Uh, and so, so his issue positions and also his persona are probably a harder sell in the suburbs than, again, say, Richard Urban might have been. Um, but again, to your question about this is playing with fire. Yeah, I, I absolutely think it's playing with fire. And I think Republicans have made the argument that, you know, Democrats are saying they're so concerned about the fate of democracy and Donald Trump undermining democracy and so forth. Well, if you really care about that, why are you um, running you know, running ads for these candidates who may be more inclined to go along with what Donald Trump wants and so forth. So I mean, I think that's to some degree a legitimate criticism. Darren Bailey really uh, entered state prominence because of his opposition to the COVID mandates um, that uh, were uh, enforced and touted in, in some ways by uh, Governor Pritzker. Um, is COVID still, you think, a factor in this particular election in, in Illinois? Uh, just because people are still upset about mask mandates or, or upset about school closings? Um, I mean, has the electorate moved on from COVID? My sense is to some degree the electorate has moved on. With that said, I think it did, I think it was an issue in the primaries, and I think you can also see this in particular um, with the Attorney General candidate, Tom DeVore, who was a strongly um, anti-school closing activist, uh, anti-mask activist, filed a number of lawsuits against Prisker's policies on COVID. And then he was nominated as the attorney general candidate for the Republicans, even though he had quite a bit less money. Um, so I, I do think that uh, it, you know, it was important in the primary. And I think particularly for the people who were especially mad about this, but I don't think there's much indication that this is still something that's really important to people in the general election. Um, to the extent that it is, I think they were probably already going to go for Bailey um, anyway. So I, I don't know that this is going to have a huge impact on the general election. Governor Pritzker, of course, points out, uh, you know, debts are being paid. Um, the budget is, is, you know, balanced, he says. Uh, critics say that comes on, on the federal money that's been funneled into Illinois. Um, when it comes to the budget and budgeting, as well as taxation, I, I wonder, does Governor Pritzker paying a price for his support uh, for the flat tax that, that really did fail statewide in the last election? Yeah, I don't think he does. I mean, again, I think memories tend to be short about this. Um, I think also since the uh, progressive tax failed, it didn't actually affect anybody's taxes. So, um, you know, the last tax increase was still during the router administration. Um, so I think it's hard to blame Prisker for that. Um, I think going back in kind of comparative terms in terms of the 2018 election, you know, a lot of times the election is a referendum on the incumbent if they're running for re-election. So in 2018, you had had a lot of chaos with the budget. You'd gone two years without a budget. Um, then you had had a tax increase, which Rauner vetoed, but still I think got tagged with a little bit. 
And so I think when voters were looking at that, they thought, you know, a lot of voters thought, well, that's, he's not really managing the state very well. I think um, Prisker has a better affirmative case. You know, the budget has stabilized. Um, the state is paying its bills more quickly. Now, again, as you mentioned earlier, I think there are certainly critics of him in terms of how he's handled COVID and so forth. But I think for kind of the voter in the middle, um, things seem to be looking up in, in some ways for the state. Now, I think one caveat you could maybe, that maybe Prisker has to answer for a little bit is um, the economic issue. Again, you've got major corporations like Boeing uh, leaving the state. And so I think that could be a, a issue that Bailey makes some hay on um, since it is tied to the economy. But I think in just in terms of the state budget and so forth, I think that that goes really to Prisker's benefit by and large. And I think of Boeing and I was thinking, well, they really weren't in the state long. I mean, they were in Dallas and, oh, then, they, and then they come to Chicago <laughs> yeah. and then announce again. Yeah, but that's good. another issue. Yeah, <laughs> but, you know, I was, I guess this was relevant to the Quad Cities. Maybe I, I saw, um, I was in Chicago last weekend and in the train station, there's all kinds of stuff about, you know, welcoming John Deere to Chicago. And my understanding is that there will be, you know, some jobs, the headquarters is not moving, but there's some jobs uh, moving to Chicago. So, I mean, I think that also plays out in terms of these, uh, you know, the downstate economy versus Chicago economy and how that plays out and how the different regions feel things are going in their particular region. And I, I think that plays into, um, you know, again, the downstate region becoming more Republican uh, and probably, you know, voting more for Bailey, but the Chicago area um, where the economy is operating a little better, um, probably sticking with Prisker. One other big uh, statewide race is for U.S. Senate. It may not get as much attention, but I mean, it's Senator Tammy Duckworth, uh, who's running against Republican Kathy Salvey. Um, once again, the power of the incumbency is playing out here, I'd assume. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think Salvi has had a hard time raising the kind of money uh, that she would need to, you know, be um, be on the airway statewide and, and to to be to challenge Duckworth. So, yeah, I, I think Duckworth has is a pretty big advantage for the perspective incumbency, clearly. And you take a look at the state of Illinois and you've got Senator Durbin, who's got quite a bit of power. And Senator uh, Duckworth, who's the vice chair of the DNC and is considered a rising star, is that a huge benefit to the state? Well, I think it's somewhat of a benefit. I mean, obviously, uh, being vice chair of the DNC, that's uh, more on the political side. But I think, as as you said, uh, Senator Durbin has quite a bit of seniority. You also have um, Tammy Duckworth accruing more and more seniority. And so I think, and, and Senator Durbin's the number two now in the Senate, uh, assuming the Democrats hold control, which, which we'll see. Um, so I, I think that seniority and that power uh, are are important for Illinois. And I think you know when when Obama was the senator, you had this kind of, uh, you know, you still had a senator with seniority in the person of Durbin. You had this kind of rock star senator for a short-lived time, at least. But I think, you know, Illinois, um, I, I think you do have a situation where the senators are seen as powerful and, and, and can deliver pretty well for the state. 
You did mention, of course, economy being the number one issue, and that's always going to be linked to the administration. Um, it, it seems like Democratic candidates on the local level are doing better than the president is on the national level. I mean, his uh, negatives are, are still, you know, pretty strong. What do you think the Biden impact is in Western Illinois? Well, I think that, uh, you know, President Biden is still underwater. His, so he's, he's more, have more negatives than positives in terms of, I, I think he's about 44, 45% now positive. And so uh, I think that typically the president's approval rating has a lot of impact on people's congressional vote um, in the midterm election. So putting this back in the context of the 17th district again, it I think helps Esther Joy King that uh, President Bible Biden's approval ratings are not any higher than they are. We see the Democrats, of course, with a supermajority in uh, both uh, uh, houses of the legislature. Um, that we've seen Republicans at times nibble at that supermajority. Does that seem pretty safe? Well, I think the majority is safe. I, I would be shocked to the point of. Well, I just say very shocked if the Democrats lost their majority in either the House or the Senate. I would not be surprised if they lost their supermajority. I mean, I think, again, it's expected to be a Republican year. Um, I think in some of the suburban races in particular, I mean, that's kind of the battleground. I think it's possible that uh, the Democrats could, could lose ground. Now, counteracting that to some degree, of course, again, is that the Democrats drew the maps um, just like they did in 2000. So they've drawn them to protect their incumbents as much as possible. But I think there are at least a few suburban races, both in the Illinois House and the Illinois Senate, where um, the Republicans could make some gains. So I, I do think that um, they could lose their super, the Democrats could lose their supermajority, but I don't think they will lose their majority. Keeping your uh, 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 futuristic hat on, looking to the future here, um, <laughs> what's going to be turnout? I mean, you see the Republicans who are angry at the Democrats and the economy. You see Democrats who are angry about social issues. Uh, uh, um, Roe v. Wade in particular, like you said, uh, the future of democracy. And you have independents who are, you know, supposedly pliable to both uh, positions. Um, do you think turnout's going to be great? And, and will independents really decide this election? Um, I think if you're talking about the 17th Congressional District, then I do think the people in the middle uh, will decide. In a larger sense, I don't see this as being a big turnout year like, say, 2018 or 2010. Um, I think that, you know, there are these things that are motivating people to some to some degree, like the economy um, and abortion for the Democrats. But my sense is that this is probably going to be a more normal, quote unquote, turnout year where we have turnout maybe in the high 40s or so, um, rather than, you know, in the presidential election, we had over 60, which is unusually high. So I, I guess I would predict midterm turnout in the 40s and maybe not even in the high 40s. That, that's probably overstating it. Um, you know, I, I don't necessarily want to wear my prediction hat because I've made many bad predictions before. And so, I guess I will take that off. But if I had to predict, I would say 
you know, probably in the forties and, and not an unusually high a midterm turnout, more like, um, you know, maybe 2014, uh, rather than 2010 or 2018. Our thanks to Western Illinois University political science chair, Dr. Keith Bockelman. I'll have a program note in a moment, but first here's Laura Adams out and about. This is out and about for October 28th through November 4th. Bettendorf is busy with Halloween. City Hall hosts a trick-or-treat from 9 to 11 a.m. on the 28th. Halloween takes place at Asbury United Methodist Church from 4 to 6 on the 29th. And then see the Bettendorf Halloween Parade starting at 6.30. Plus, kids can trick-or-treat in their neighborhood on the 31st from 5 to 7.30. Davenport's Halloween Parade starts at 2 on the 30th. And Boo at the Zoo at Niobe Zoo is on the 29th. Plus, on Halloween night, trick-or-treating times are the following. Geneseo City Park offers up a free Halloween event called Scarecrow Row, with more than 100 scarecrows decorating the park. Best viewing is from noon to 3 on the 29th. Plus, there's a spectacular trunk or treat at the Green Valley Softball Complex on the 29th from 3 to 5. It Takes a Village, a discussion talking about mental and physical health, is at the Center on Brady in Davenport, the 28th at 3. On stage, Clue the Musical finishes their run at Circa 21 on the 4th. 12 Angry Jurors opens at Playcrafters Barn Theater on the 4th, while Motherhood the Musical sings you through the highs and lows of motherhood at the Black Box Theater, running November 3rd through 12th. For more information, visit wqpt.org. Thank you, Laura. Over the last four weeks, we have talked with all four candidates running for the two congressional districts that directly impact the cities. We were able to talk to Illinois 17th District candidates, Democrat Eric Sorensen and Republican Esther Joy King, as well as Iowa 1st District candidate, Democrat Christina Bohannon, and the Republican incumbent, Marinette Miller-Meeks. These interviews can be seen the weekend before the elections on WQPT as well as streaming on WQPT.org. Please watch it, and we hope you get something from them. On the air, on the radio, on the web, on your mobile device, and streaming on your computer, thanks for taking some time to join us as we talk about the issues on the cities.